0: You are listening to a podcast from Classic City Church. We're glad you've joined us. Our services are held at 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings at 595 Prince Avenue in the Piedmont Sanctuary. For more information, please visit www.classiccity.org. This is a sermon from Pastor Lee Mason. Well, again, what we're hoping to do during Passion Week and the three sermons we have, the one last week, the one tonight, and the one on Easter Sunday, is to just take us through a journey to understand what happened when Jesus was crucified, the three days in between, and what happened during his resurrection, to understand the totality of this three day event. Now, we're pretty aware of what happened when Jesus was crucified. In fact, we talked about that last week. We uh, looked at a passage, a remarkable passage in the Bible from the Old Testament, Psalm 22. It was written 1,100 years before Jesus was born. But in that, King David wrote of the sufferings that the Messiah would, would experience in the future. And it's just a remarkable picture taken way in advance. Of what Jesus went through on the cross. And we understand the resurrection. We know what happened there. But uh, something we aren't very familiar with is what happened in between these two events. What happened during those three days between the crucifixion of Christ when He died and when He rose again victorious from the dead. Now if we look at Scripture, Jesus actually talked about this. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, he was in a conversation with the Pharisees, and they were asking him for a sign to sort of prove who he was. And he said, hey, look, that's, a, that's not what you want to do. That's what an evil generation seeks. He says, the sign I'm going to give you is the sign of Jonah. And he says, just as Jonah was in the belly of a huge fish for three days, so will the Son of Man be in the belly of the earth for three days. Now, when Jesus said that, he was talking about hell. He was talking about Sheol, that the Son of Man would experience three days uh, in hell. In uh, Ephesians chapter 4, when Paul talks about this, you can read about it in verse 9 and verse 10. Paul is talking about how with the church, the Christ ascends and is, is empowered, is enthroned. And he quotes Psalm 68, which talks of God be experiencing this and inhabiting his, the praises of his people. And when he talks about Christ ascending, he says, what does this mean except for that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? It's just a side note he mentions. But he talks about Jesus actually descending into hell, the lower parts of the earth. And then Peter, the apostle Peter, in his very first sermon on the day of Pentecost, when he described the, the death and the resurrection of Christ, he mentions that Jesus, that God did not abandon Christ's soul in Sheol, in hell, in the region of the damned, and that Jesus was loosed from the agony or the pains of death itself. What we come to understand when we look at the New Testament is that Jesus Christ physically suffered for our sins on the cross But then after that, he suffered spiritually in hell, bearing the wrath of God for our sins. The Apostle Creed talks about this. It was the first document written to codify what are the essential truths of Christianity. If you read the Apostle Creed, it starts out that we believe in God Almighty, the Father, the Maker of heaven and earth. and We believe in Jesus Christ. His only Son, our Lord. He was powerfully conceived by the Holy Spirit. And He was born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified. He died. He was buried. And then it says, He descended into hell and three days later rose again. He also ascended into heaven and now sits at the right hand of the Father, and he will return one day to judge the living and the dead. We understand all those topics that are talked about in the Apostles' Creed. We understand Jesus is coming back. We understand he was crucified. We understand he was born of the Virgin Mary, conceived of the Holy Spirit. But those four words, he descended into hell, we really don't talk about very much nowadays. But the early church fathers did. For the first five, six hundred years of the church, we have records of their sermons, of their thoughts, of their musings. And they, they developed a doctrine called the harrowing of hell. And what that doctrine means, it understands that Jesus Christ, after he was crucified and before he rose to the dead, descended into hell. He suffered for our sins. And while experiencing God's wrath and the, the torment of that awful place, he was resurrected there. He destroyed and spoiled and, and threw back demonic powers. He overcame evil. He triumphed over them uh, th- through, through God, and he, he rose victorious from the dead. And this harrowing of hell, uh, the Reformers talked about. Actually, Martin Luther spent a lot more time focusing on the victory of Christ uh, in his resurrection in hell. Well, John Calvin, though, talked a lot about his sufferings. I want to read you a couple of things that John Calvin actually wrote about his sufferings and about uh, what Christ experienced in hell. John Calvin said that Jesus' descent into hell is a matter of great importance and should by no means be disregarded. Its omission greatly detracts from the benefits of Christ's death. He said that in hell Christ endured the invisible and incomprehensible judgment of God. Not only was the body of Christ given up as the price of redemption, but there was a greater and more severe price that he paid. He bore in his soul the tortures of condemned and ruined humanity. In order to satisfy God's righteous judgment, it was necessary that he feel the full weight of divine vengeance. It was necessary that he engage the powers of hell and eternal death. So we see that between the cross and the resurrection, Jesus descended into hell and He suffered greatly for our sins. This suffering and the experience He had is talked about in Psalm 88. Again, it's a psalm like Psalm 22. It's it's an odd psalm. The thing that's very distinct about this psalm from any psalm like it is it's a psalm that describes the, the writer's sufferings and his laments and his pain. But in every other psalm that does this, there's always a positive outcome. It ends up sometime during the psalm, things turn around, and the writer of the psalm is experiencing victory in the presence of God and relief from God's intervention. That doesn't happen in this psalm. And so if you will, let's go through Psalm 88 together and just follow it and, and see how it explains and, and, and elaborates on the sufferings that Christ went through while he had descended into hell. Verse, verse 1 says, Lord, you are the God who saves me. Day and night I cry out to you. May my prayer come before you and turn your ear to my cry. Verse 3 says, I am overwhelmed with troubles, and my life draws near to death. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am without strength. I am set apart from the dead like the slain who lie in the grave, who you remember no more who are cut off from your care if you 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 in that passage he gives you some background those first five verses of what he's going through you know he talks there about being down in the pit in verse 4 the Hebrew word is the word bore. bor b o r is how they are you would pronounce it bor and it is the equivalent word of the the word sheol The word Hades, which is the Greek word for hell. The word Gehenna, which is the word for hell in the Talmud. It is the word uh, Abaddon or the word oblivion that is sometimes used in, in Greek apocalyptic literature. But it describes the place where the damned go, the judge go when they die. And this person that's this writing here is experiencing uh, this, the pit, the bore, this place. And he, he describes himself in verse 5 as the slain, which again is a reference to somebody who was being executed. Back in those days when somebody was slain, it was an executed person who had committed a crime, who had deserved death. After their execution, they would have just tossed their body in a pit. And he says, I feel like the guilty who are being abandoned by God who is rejected by God. I am feeling someone who des- who is deserving of God's vengeance and God's wrath, and, and they're experiencing that. In verse 6, he continues. He says, You put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths. Verse 7, Your wrath lies heavily on me. You have overwhelmed me with all your waves. And then if you, in the, After that, there's something that is inserted by the psalmist called a selah, which is a pause. It means to reflect, to think. And so he's talking here about God putting him in the lowest pits, the darkest depths, and that God's wrath is lying heavily on him. And what we see is this person is experiencing the wrath and the vengeance and the judgment of God. And he asks the reader, us as readers, to stop and think about that. Think about what it would be like for someone who, who is innocent to feel like uh, they were an executed criminal, tossed into the pit, descending into the lower parts of the earth, and they are experiencing the wrath and the judgment of God. Verse 8, you've take, taken my closest friends and made me repulsed to them. I am confined and cannot escape. One of the horrors of hell is that it's eternal. There's no escape. And this person is experiencing that anguish. Verse 9: My eyes are dim with grief. I call to you, Lord, every day. I spread out my hands to you. And he asks a question in verse 10: Do you show your wonders to the dead? Do the spirits rise up and praise you? And again, there's another Salah that's inserted there. And he asks that question, verse 10. Do you show wonders? to the dead? Do their spirits rise up and praise you? What we have is a kind of a foreboding, a foreshadowing of the resurrection, that in Jesus, this person, this sufferer really is going to see the wonders of God in the realm of the dead. The spirit of his dead spirit is going to rise up And praise God. And as he goes on here in verse 11, he again asks the same question that he just answered three times. Is your love declared in the grave, your faithfulness in destruction? Are your wonders known in the place of darkness or your righteous deeds in the land of oblivion? But I cry to you, Lord, help me. In the morning, my prayer comes to you. And and again, we see him asking this question three times. Is your love declared in the grave, your faithfulness in destruction? Are your wonders known in the places that are dark, your righteous deeds in the land of oblivion? And and that's what's going to happen in Jesus' life as he's he's in the place of hell, as he's in the place of darkness, as he's in the belly of the earth, suffering the wrath of God for all of sinful humanity. He is asking, hey, is this going to end Will there be a resurrection? Will there be a moment where this is reversed in this horrible, awful place? Verse 14, he asks his question, Why, Lord, do you reject me? Why? For my youth I have suffered and been close to death. I have borne your terrors and am in despair. Verse 16 and 17, he says, Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long, constantly they surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. And what he's describing here, his experience in hell, is he's like somebody who's out in the middle of the night in the ocean, being tossed about by the waves, being engulfed by them, being overwhelmed by them, being them going over his head and him experiencing drowning and being in complete panic. Could you imagine the horror of that? being out in the middle of the ocean all by yourself in the deepest darkest night and experiencing the, just being at the mercy of the waves and this is what he's experiencing this is how he's experiencing God's wrath that the waves are, are coming over him the waves are, are overpowering him and then in verse 18 he closes and he says you've taken friend and neighbor from me and he closes with this really powerful thought darkness is my closest friend. Now what this psalm is telling us is something very awesome and very incredible. That after suffering a painful crucifixion on the cross, where he becomes sin, he becomes the sin of humanity on the cross and experiences God's judgment there. He, when his, his spirit departs from his body, he goes down into the depths of the earth. He goes down to Sheol. He goes down to hell and he experiences the wrath of God for our sin completely and fully. And what that simply means to you and I is this. God's wrath has been satisfied in his son completely and fully. We are forever free. It has been paid for. And his resurrection is an announcement that the wrath of God has been fully and completely satisfied. Romans 5 talks about how how he was was, uh, delivered up for our sins, but he was raised for our justification. When he was resurrected from the dead, what that meant is that our sins had been paid for and we could really stand justified and clean before God. It is an awesome thing what Jesus did for us on the cross. His painful death, but even more painful and more agonizing than his death, where his sufferings afterwards when he went to hell and he suffered the wrath of God in our place so you and I could be free of it. And on this Good Friday, take some time to somberly remember the awesome price he paid for your soul and respond to him in worship in an appropriate way. We love you very much. Thank you for tuning in. In closing, I want to read a passage to you from the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. Hebrews 2, verse 9 and 10. But It says, We see Jesus, who was made a little lower than angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. and bringing many sons to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of our salvation perfect through what he suffered. Worship him, love him, live for him. Take time to ponder the incredible sacrifices he's made for us. God bless you. Have a great evening. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Classic City Church. We hope that together we can honor the greatness of Jesus by growing spiritually, living authentically, and participating in his purposes. For more information or more sermons from Classic City Church, please visit www.classiccity.org.